So I was just bragging on the fit. This is nice. I can actually see you instead of the lights. <laughs> so um, I guess I have to explain one little calamity. As I cleaned up here, got everything ready after Operation Christmas Child, I went home, stepped over a small child gate, and slipped and fell and broke my ankle in two places. <laughs> so I am in that process of healing. I'm sure that everything is going to get better. Never had a broken bone in my life, so... Uh, I guess God was speaking to me about vulnerability, and um, I'm vulnerable just like anybody else is. (laughs) So today is the beginning of an adventure that we're going to be taking. Um, When we think in the terms of adventure, we use ideas that are associated with something coming, unveiling, unfolding before us. Now, um, if we add some feeling words along with adventure, uh, we use words like exciting, anticipating, exhilarating, expecting. So the Oxford Dictionary actually defines it as an unusual, exciting, or dangerous experience, journey, or series of events. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Now hold those thoughts. Now we're going to turn to the word advent, the root word of which adventure is formed. Advent. What is an advent? An advent of something or someone is that something is coming or an important event or person or an invention. Thus, the advent is the core word for adventure, meaning the coming of, the breakthrough, or the arrival of an important event or person. The coming. Who's coming? What's coming? When is it coming? How is it coming? Why is it coming? Are you sure it's coming? Did it already come? Did I miss the coming? Today we begin the adventure of the Christmas Advent season. And we will be using an Advent wreath and other symbols to discover more about the coming and the mysteries surrounding the Advent season. More importantly, we'll investigate the reason for the hope of the Advent. The Advent wreath could be called an adventure wreath, and we have an Advent wreath right to my right here. It could be called an adventure wreath, as we will be taking an adventure using the Advent wreath to unveil age old truths about Christ and Christmas. For the month of December, together we'll be unlock- unlocking the door to the Advent. We'll be looking back at the coming as the Christmas Advent is the full circle of Jesus' coming, coming, and coming again, which consists of the promise of his coming fulfilled, the promise of his coming through the Holy Spirit fulfilled and continuing to be fulfilled, and the promise of his coming again, all of which culminate as we build our hope in God As it was in the past, so it will be in the future. This Sunday is the first Sunday of that Advent season. The Advent season has traditionally referenced the coming of Jesus in various ways. As a baby born in Bethlehem, his coming in the Holy Spirit into a Christian's life, and his coming in the glory in his second coming. The Advent invites us to prepare our hearts and our lives 
to enter into the jubilant celebration of Christ's birth. During these four weeks, we will experience the adventure by creating anticipation, expectation, preparation, and longing, while focusing on the celebration of the birth of Jesus at his first advent or coming, and supplementing increasing our anticipation of his coming again in the second coming. The Advent wreath is symbolic, and it's also a useful tool in telling the Christmas adventure narrative. The exact meaning given to the various aspects of the wreath are not as important as the story to which bids us to come, listen, worship, and taste and see. The Lord is good. Come and adore Jesus Christ, the King. Jesus broke into the world 2,013 years ago at his incarnation. God became flesh and dwelt with us. His dwelling or his coming was celebrated as the heavens opened opened with the angels rejoicing and proclaiming his birth. This is that Advent season for which the wreath reminds us. The Advent wreath represents the joyous time of celebration. We'll see the wreath is round. It stands for the internality of God's never-ending love. The wreath is made of evergreens, representing and reminding us of the gift of life and eternal life in Christ. And the candles reminded, uh, remind us of a lighting or a lighted birthday cake as we celebrate Jesus' birthday. And the lights of the candles represents the presence and the power of God. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region a shadow of death, light was dawned. It's found in Matthew 4, 16, quoting out of Isaiah the prophet. Light, uh, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. John 1, or 1 John 1, 5. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8:12. Each of the weeks of the Advent, a new candle is lit, along with the previous ones, resulting in an ever-increasing glow, even as God's presence is ever-increasing in our lives and in the world. Thank you, Joyce. The Advent season includes four Sundays prior to Christmas together with Christmas Day. As the season unfolds, it becomes a wonderful time to contemplate and consider Jesus, the center of Christmas, and to prepare our hearts and minds to celebrate Jesus, God's beloved Son. As a church family, we'll be taking a deeper look at the elements that Jesus came to bring us each Sunday leading up to Christmas to unwrap one of the one or more of the four elements that Jesus gifted to his people. During this time together, we will reflect upon and consider each of the four treasures beginning with hope. Before we consider the first one, let's pray. Lord Jesus, open our eyes to the power of your coming and the reality of our hope that you are coming again. Remind us of your abiding presence in the person of the Holy Spirit, in that you will never leave nor forsake us. 
that you will remain in us and that you are as close as the mention of your name. Lord, help us to shake off the distractions and the glitter of this world and to escape its captivity. Rather, let us be captivated by the baby Jesus, born of a humble virgin, yet the fulfillment of the long-awaited promise, Jesus, Messiah, Savior, Liberator, and King, the personification of hope for all ages. Lord, empower us to see that the gold of the Christmas season lies in a manger where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords arrived as a baby to take back that which was stolen in the garden. This manger scene was the beginning of the greatest undertaking of all ages, the restoration of man, that he might fulfill God's destiny for his creation. Lord, this babe in the manger was precisely what you had planned when you established and created the perfect first Christmas together with the perfect celebration of Jesus' coming. Lord, may we become a perfect reflection of you that all the world would see Christ, the meaning of Christmas. Amen. Today we're going to be considering the hope of the prophets. Why look at the prophets when we're preparing for Christmas? It's a good question. The prophets pointed to the virgin birth of Jesus, son of David, son of God, the Messiah, the anointed one, the redeemer king, and the suffering servant. Jesus' birth was the point of hope that drew the wise men from afar. It was a moment of exquisite heavenly worship which broke out in heaven and poured into earth in the presence of a few shepherds watching their flocks at night. It was the announcement to the world of the arrival of the Lamb of God destined to carry the sins of the the world, born in a stable a few mere miles away in Bethlehem of Judea. All these experiences were drawn together with a heavenly orchestration of breakthrough of heaven on earth that was filled with tidings of great joy and with peace and goodwill toward men. For centuries preceding this great celebration, prophets had pointed to the hope that is eternal. Although these great men of God pointed the errors of the ways of past generations, Along with the finger of accusation and warnings, they also pointed to the open hand of God offering a kernel of hope for those who dared to believe, who dared to walk in faith of the patriarch Abraham. God always preserved a remnant. Isaiah spoke in his own commissioning in Isaiah 6, which is well known and beloved. Isaiah is transported into heaven's throne room, and the glory of the Lord filled the place. And Isaiah was allowed when he spoke out, Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord. Immediately, seraphim appeared. 
And they approached Isaiah with burning coals in their, in their hands. And they touch Isaiah's lips. He's cleansed. He is forgiven. Then Isaiah realizes that the Lord is speaking. Who shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah says, here I am, send me. At this, a very puzzling thing happens. The Lord instructs Isaiah to go and tell the people, keep listening, keep looking, but do not perceive and do not understand. The Lord revealed to Isaiah that those he would speak to would not hear. And they would not see and they would not return to be healed until there would be a desolate, they would be desolate and forsaken. In verse 13, the Lord assures Isaiah, the Lord is sowing hope in Isaiah's heart and thereby in the heart of the people. Yet there will be a tenth portion in it and it will again be subject to burning like the terabith or the oak whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is in the stump. God's people did not return from exile. Well, they did return from exile, but first they went into exile. They returned from exile. They did rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. And then nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing except the passing of time. 400 years of silence deafening silence so where is that hope the hope is in the holy seed which is in its stump hidden and protected by god during the interlude the jews waited they tried to make things happen they turned to preoccupation with self and then they turned to god again and yet nothing 400 years of nothing. God sows the holy seed of hope into the hearts of his people. And one day he will call forth the seed that has been sown into those lives who have gone through the drought, through the burning, through the losses, and yet the stump of hope is ready to come to life when the holy breath of God breathes on it once again. Hope is eternal. It never dies in those who know the Lord. Breath of heaven, breathe on us today. Breathe on the holy seed sown into our lives and the lives of our ancestors. And let hope spring forth in each of us that we might be transformed into the fullness of Christ and fulfill your destiny in and through us today the prophets were those whose primary function was to speak for god to their own contemporaries they were covenant enforcement mediators whose message was god's not their own they were god's direct representatives one of the common prophetic literary forms was the promise or salvation oracle which itself stirred hope in the hearts of the people who heard it. The elements include a reference to the future in that day, the mention of radical change, the restoration and the repair of David's fallen tent, or Israel's exalted over Edom, 
and or the return from exile, and the mention of blessing, life, health, prosperity, agricultural abundance, respect, safety, the promise of God creates hope in his people. The prophets sought to arouse the people to repentance, but they also served to call the people to the divine purpose and to point to them God's promises. Yet as God's messengers, they spoke out regardless of personal cost, even on the threat of death. As such, when we speak of the hope of the prophets, we are not speaking of the hope of the prophets' personal gain or their personal protection or uh, prosperity, but of the hope of the prophets' message to the lost, the broken, the backslidden, and often the degenerate people of God who had lost their way. The prophets often combined the mystical with the practical, and they saw visions and dreamed dreams. They sometimes looked into the unknown with future extraordinary perception. But most often, they looked around them with clear perception and insight. They saw the injustices of society, of their times, and they spoke out regardless of the cost. They knew the grinding mills of cause and effect would surely grind down those who would go on regardless of the divine purpose and the moral order God had ordained for them. But in this role, we observe that the prophets as the, as the naysayers of their times. So men who brought hard words, words of judgments, words similar to the modern version of turn or burn, which for the callous brought judgment, but for the tender brought sobriety and an awakening to repent and turn back to God. Yet the prophets also brought more. Beyond a call to repentance, they brought words and visions of eternal significance, words that instilled a future and a hope. The Old Testament prophets, from Isaiah to Malachi, proclaimed God's purposes in the midst of crisis and confusion, revolutionary events, war, all of these things taking place in their times. They also spoke with a particular relevance to our times, for these men had a philosophy of history. These prophets looked, that is, they set their eyes and their hearts and their hope beyond the desolations and the destructions, beyond the exile and the dispersion of their unhappy people to a day of glorious restoration when the kingdoms of the world would would be overthrown, creating that sense of hope. But I want you to see, although the prophets looked beyond those things, where do we look today? Where are our eyes set today? Our eyes set of time. Let me say this more clearly. What was happening before Isaiah is no one had an idea of the Messiah coming as a baby No one had the idea of his coming as incarnate, and no one had the idea that he would be a suffering king, a suffering servant and a messianic king that would suffer and die. So Isaiah painted those pictures in prophetic ways that um, 
predicted and described what Jesus would be like and validated as we look back what we saw in Jesus and made uh, created the theology that put all the pieces together for us. Isaiah told the story ahead of time and then defined what happened afterwards. So he was a very important uh, prophet. So the messianic mystery was that the heavenly son of God must first suffer and die in fulfillment of his redemptive messianic vision as a suffering servant before he comes with power and glory. So this is the birth at this point of the second coming of Messiah. And when Jesus actually came and died and took those steps, we began to understand what the second coming and the hope of the second coming was. So hope breathed the breath of heaven and came to life himself. Hope was born to be born again. Sweet. Hope was born to be born again. And uh, in Isaiah 9, 2, 9, 2 to 7, we see the traditional Christmas um, passages. And we'll, we'll read that. I'll read that. I won't ask us to read it together. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those walking in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. As in the day of the Midian defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the cross bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdoms, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So we're going to look at the hope out of this scripture. The first hope is hope is the light. A great light. A light is dawned. In him was life and light, and he was the light of man. Hope is in the rest from burdens. God's Savior shattered the yoke of sin that oppresses God's people. All sin is a burden. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there's an example of this that I think will touch our hearts. As we think about the Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, there's a person named Marley. And Marley is described as one who had lusted after money all of his life and greed possessed him. And in death, Marley's ghost was constantly burdened by a heavy yoke of sin tormenting him. The yoke of his selfishness and his greed that carried over into his afterlife. What a picture, right? That is the yoke that is broken by the blood of Jesus. Hope is in knowing there is no more guilt. For those who are in Christ, the power of the accuser is broken. 
Hope is knowing God's son will reign. Unto us a child is son, as a child is born, a son is given. He will be called wonderful as he is God and man. He is counselor. He knows the counsels of God from eternity. He is mighty God and everlasting father. He's the mediator, God and one with the father. And he's the prince of peace. He reconciles us with God, gives peace in our hearts, and he will establish everlasting peace. So there's hope in knowing that he will reign in justice and in righteousness forever. There's hope in in that the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. It's not me that has to do this. God does it in his his power. And and, uh, it's also uh, represented in Romans 5.8 where we see God demonstrates his great love for us in that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. Christ did something that we couldn't do for ourselves. That's God standing in our place. Hope is sure for the government will be upon his shoulders. We don't even have to vote. We can wrap all these things together when we see how Christ's coming birthed his church and his bride. See, his church, the new Israel, was to be made up of all the nations, all the tribes, all the races, all would recognize and acknowledge Jesus as Messiah of Israel. The first of the followers of Jesus did not fully recognize this and sort of began to have ministry around themselves and among their, their peers. And we, although we saw in Matthew 28 the Great Commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Nor did they really discover the mission that was committed to uh, Abraham and to his seed, that in them they would shine the glory of the one true God, through them all nations on the earth might be blessed. They just weren't getting that. But God had another witness, his prophet. What prophet is that? I, I, I looked and I didn't find another prophet in the Old Testament prophets. But what I discovered is, God is not limited to the Old Testament. Rather, God would raise one up to recover the mission of Abraham and the mission of Israel to the world. God would call one like Jeremiah, that is, Saul of Tarsus, before he was formed in his mother's womb to become the proclaimer of Christ to the Gentiles. Thus, Paul became the New Testament prophet, the spokesman of God, a prophet of hope to the lost world, calling them forth from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And we follow that model. Friends, Yahweh is the God of hope. Shall I say it again? Yahweh is a God of hope. For our hope is the anticipation of and the looking forward to with confident expectation that God's promises will be fulfilled as they have been Throughout the ages, they will be into the future. Thus, our hope is embodied or embedded in Christ, his coming as a babe in the manger, his coming in the Holy Spirit baptism and impartation, and his soon coming again in his second coming. And we, his pride, say, even so, come. So if you'll be with me, we're going to use the last slide to 
There we go. Let's say this together. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. Yes. Yes. How does hope change our lives? The source of our hope is the key to reality. If you hope that you'll get rich and that you'll win the lotto, your life is left to fate, to chance, to happenstance. This is not hope at all. This is either fantasy or self-deception. Sorry, folks. If your hope is not fixed on the reality of Jesus Christ, it's not true hope. Once again, what is the source of true hope? True hope is the anticipation of or the looking forward to with confident expectation that Jesus came. He came again in the impartation of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and he will come again as he promised in the second coming. Why would you or any other person gamble away their lives? When hope springs forth from his very nature and also from his promises, which are true. His promises are yes, yes, and amen. He has promised never to leave you nor forsake you. It's a done deal. He has promised hope for today, eternal life for tomorrow. This, too, is a done deal. You see, he already died on the cross for your sins, and by that, he bought his return ticket for the second coming. It's already a done deal. In case you don't get it, Christ is totally vested in you. The question is, are you totally vested in him? Why take a chance with the only life that you will ever know? Hope in God is eternal hope. It is secure. It is steadfast. It is immovable. I am my beloved's, he is mine. The banner over me is love. The greatest gift of Christmas is Christ, who gave himself over to the Father's plan to bring the incarnate Christ to the earth. God, in the form of a baby, who walked among his people, paved a way to break the power of Satan and took back the authority Satan had stolen from God's appointed and authorized representatives, died on the cross for our sins, that we might know him and the power of his resurrection, that we might join him to fulfill the great commission, the call of Abraham, the call of Isaiah, the great commission, to take the message of Christ's love and sacrificial death for our salvation. I know there's not a lot of us here, but if we have members of the prayer team and ministers and leaders, would you make your way over to the cross wall? We're going to begin to uh, close today. Uh, are you ready? That's the question we have. Are you ready? Don't leave today without knowing for certain that you have the hope of our Savior living in your heart. You have eternal hope. We've been reminded today that the Advent means to come. And as we close, listen to this message from your Savior and your Lord. Come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
come find rest in the Savior. Come find healing. Come find comfort and encouragement. Come find freedom from condemnation and the voice of accusation. Come and take this adventure one more step. Come and meet with Jesus this morning. The way things work around here, while the worship team plays our last song, I'm going to ask the team to make their way forward. The worship team, if you're available. While the worship team gathers to make their last song, there are trained folks on the side, the left side, my, your right side, my left side. I'm getting this. Uh, there are trained folks that are ready to pray for you, and they're available to pray for whatever it is that you have need. Jesus is here to meet your personal needs, whatever they are. You might have a broken leg. You might have a headache. You might be in despair over your circumstances. But whatever it is, there's gentle hands and a loving heart and Jesus to meet you over on the wall by the cross. So we're asking the Holy Spirit to draw your people. Draw your people to the light of your eternal hope. Draw your people to the place of comfort. Now I'll close with this benediction. Now may true hope in the Lord be kindled in your lives today and in every day in anticipation of and looking forward to with confident expectation that God's promises are being fulfilled just as they have been throughout the ages past, so they will be throughout the ages to come. Once our, serv- once our uh, worship team completes this last song, our service will be at an end. And for those of you who brought children, please remember to collect them at the children's ministry. Don't leave them. Don't leave the church without them. <laughs> and have a beautiful day in the Lord. So thank you so much. <laughs>